1: So, I'm at LAX right now, uh, January, Friday night, January 3rd, it's 11.25 at night, waiting to board, flight to Miami, where I'll link up with a Grom from the East Coast that I've never met before, and then uh, from Miami to Panama City. So, if my voice sounds off, it's because I'm fighting some sort of sickness, I'm worried My wife's worried, I should say, that it might be bronchitis or something heavy, but it's probably just a cold or something. Anyways, uh, spent the last two days in bed and uh, not looking forward to the plane ride, but juiced up on meds and should be good. Panama, here we come. an all-new episode of Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales. We're excited to bring you a new kind of experimental format of Surf Splendor today. The show's titled Anatomy of a Surf Trip, and it documents a surf trip that I was on at the beginning of 2014 in early January down to the Caribbean side of Panama. Not only is it an experimental format for Surf Splendor, but honestly, I think it is the first radio documentary, audio documentary of a surf trip ever that I've ever heard of, certainly. And I can't imagine where else one might exist, but we had a great trip. We scored good waves and uh, hopefully, you know, you can enjoy part of that trip through this platform. So thank you for joining us. If you're new to the show, please go back and listen to past episodes. Everything is archived for free on surfsplendorpodcast.com or on iTunes. If you're listening in iTunes or Stitcher, please make sure to rate the show. Leave a review, particularly on this episode. Feel free to um, leave a comment on whether you liked it or not, how you feel it can be improved. And uh, we always enjoy hearing your feedback. You can also find us on social media at Surf Splendor. So, a lot happens on this trip, and uh, we're excited to bring you along for all the trials and tribulations involved with flights, boat rides, taxi rides, traveling with boards, and, uh, and all the joy of catching good waves in a, in a new country. So thanks again for joining us. We're really glad to have you, and enjoy today's show. Happening, so Jordan. Good to meet you. Good? you. Where are you coming from?
0: Uh, Virginia Beach.
1: Oh, okay. Cool. It was
0: freezing there. It was like 20 degrees this morning. No way. There was like ice all over the side of the road from like I guess like people spraying the water with the cars going on the trees. Uh, and just yeah. like made big icicles.
1: What time did you leave?
0: Uh, 4 a.m. I woke up. We left at six.
1: I left at midnight. From L.A. The objective for a typical surf trip is simple. It's generally just to surf and have fun. Professional surf trips on the other end of the spectrum have a very specific focus of collecting content in the form of photos and video that will ultimately be used in marketing campaigns or editorial for magazines. Our focus for this trip is somewhere right in the middle. All of the surfers who are invited on this trip are professional track pro amateurs whose either their sponsors are paying for the trip, their parents, or they themselves have paid for the trip. And what they get for the price of admission is to work with a professional photographer, professional videographer, and a professional surf coach. They also get to keep all of the media content that we produce from the trip. And as for the cast of characters, I'll let them introduce themselves.
0: Right. I'm Jordan Montgomery. I'm 15 years old from Virginia. Oh, no, I'm 16. Yeah. Jordan Montgomery, 16 years old from Virginia Beach, Virginia.
2: Yeah, I'm from Ecuador. I'm 17 years old. Aurelio really Prieto. Uh,
3: my name's Derek Peters. Huntington Beach, California. I'm 20 years old. But do I have to do, like, if I was talking or just, like, my name is, whatever. My name is. All right. Uh My name is Jorge Limeropoulos. I am 17 years
1: old and I'm from Panama. And rounding out the crew, we have a tour guide and boat captain, Scott Baylo, who owns Red Frog Bungalows, the resort that we'll be staying at. You'll hear more from him in a minute. And Tony Roberts, who uh, is a really highly regarded photographer and filmmaker, originally from Santa Cruz, California, but now living in Costa Rica.
4: This trip is very similar to a normal photo mission. Um, We're prioritizing the waves for rippable and photogenic qualities. Um, We're very lucky to have Scott who's very knowledgeable on the conditions and forecasts and then on top of all that really breaking it down with coach Eric the technical aspect of Surfing on so many different levels so the difference would be it's much more technical and the surfers are willing to be critiqued they come here to be critiqued they're generally a little more open-minded and uh, serious about
1: getting the job done and the man who's responsible for organizing this trip is eric kramer i'll let eric introduce himself and give you his background
5: well basically what i do at home is i provide a lot of different services to um, different people that are looking to better themselves within the surfing world, Um, whether it's be coaching or education through clinics and seminars and courses or judging or training judges, lots of different avenues and then this International Surf Camp came about as just another program of the Business International Surf Services to provide a really quality service, but instead of being in the kind of typical beach break that you would find in your hometown, we were gonna take it to a quality, world-class surf break. As far as me and, and my role within, you know, the surfing industry, I, I feel really fortunate to be involved with surfing my entire life. Um, when I was a little kid, I was like, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I wanna be able to surf forever. Didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I know I wanted to be involved with surfing because it was just something that I had a love for since the beginning. Both my parents um, were surfers. My mom was a very competitive surfer. So it just I was around surfing since day one. And so I had a, a long um, competitive career. Did a lot of the you know amateur events, the, the NSSA, the USSF, the WSA, US surf team, all that kind of stuff. Came up into the PSAA. So I had all the competition. And then just kind of by accident, I stumbled into judging um and find myself really good at it and did a couple years on the you know kind of came up surfing the professional events and started judging the amateur ones and then basically started um, judging the professional ones and after a couple years then the ASP came along and asked me to do their international events and so from there from 1998 to 2008 i spent 11 years judging on the ASP WCT tour Um, and basically doing almost all the events around the world. And that was a really great experience for me because if it was a competitor, all of a sudden I was on the other side of the fence. I was judging, I was getting to watch you know, some of my peers um, excel to that upper level and watching you know, their careers take flight. And But I was still involved with it and I was going to the spots and, and it was really, really great. But then after 11 years on tour, it, it was time to move on and I didn't wanna be, um, you know I was basically at the top of my career and I was like right, let's let's get out while you're on top um, and just take this experience and apply it somewhere else and that was where me and my wife who I met while I was on tour um, from Brazil we spent a lot of time down in Brazil we formed our business together International Surf Services and that's when I got really into the coaching so in 2008 I resigned from ASP and I got straight into the private coaching and then everything's kind of Just branch from there, whether I'm working with um, upper level professional surfers or up and coming surfers that are on the prime or all the way down into somebody that's just learning to surf. I kind of cover all levels and really put it out there for everybody.
1: Our destination for this journey is an island chain off the coast of Panama on the Caribbean side known as Bocas del Toro. In my mind, you cannot oversell Bocas as a surf destination. It's just gorgeous. Emerald green water, super warm, you're wearing trunks, wide variety of surf spots. Everything from like a big slabby right to reef breaks, really perfect beach breaks. The people are friendly, the food is great. I can't say enough good things about Bocas del Toro.
3: Alright, so I'm basically at my house right now. Like, Panama, but it's really different. Since we're in the Caribbean right now, in the Pacific, the waves are completely different and and less like bowly. So surfing in the Pacifics over here is like a pretty big difference, since the wave is is kind of more difficult, but it's still super good out here. Yeah, even how they speak is completely another like language. Like they they have their own language. They speak Spanish and then they speak like this kind of weird Jamaican English, which in the Pacific you don't see at all. In the Pacific side, you only hear Spanish and and native language. Here, they kind of like mix all of them up. Yeah, it's a little bit dif- difficult to understand, but but yeah, it's part of their culture, so it's nice. Panama, out of all the countries
4: in Central America, has the most potential. A lot of nooks and crannies that face opposite wind directions that are close to each other. So you can find somewhere that's offshore and different sandbars and reef setups around every corner, really. But what makes it extremely special is the culture. You have this afro caribbean culture side by side with the indigenous natives. And they've basically made their own little mini culture on these islands that are just now being explored. And something that's really great about Bocas and you
5: don't get at too many places around the world is that it's a location that's really boat-oriented. On the main island of Bocas, um, there's cars, taxis, everything that you would find on the mainland. Um, But a lot of the transportation is by boat. Um, On Bastimentos, which is where um, Red Frog Bungalows is, there's no cars. Um, everything's by boat or walking, or a couple of the um, accommodations have some, you know, golf carts and things like that. But everything's just more ocean-oriented. You get a real kind of like just Caribbean feel to it, mm-hmm. and it's really cool because you don't get that anywhere. Yeah. I think bringing a surf trip there, it's, for me, it was really exciting because I knew we were going to get some hiking, we were going to get boat trips, we were going to get, you know, car land trips, just a little bit of everything.
6: Uh, There's one domestic carrier
1: called Air Panama. Uh, And this is our tour guide and the owner of Red Frog Bungalows, Scott Bailow. Once you arrive in Bocas, uh, you've got the main town where
6: the airport uh, is located, and then Bostamento Island, which is the island that we're located on, is about 10 minutes by boat from the main island. And uh, we have our own boats and our own guides, and we pick everybody up at the airport and make sure that they get out uh, to the property. Well, Bostamento Island itself has all the best beach breaks uh, around. So when the waves are a little bit smaller, we can access everything in just a few minutes by our boats. Uh, There's Wizard Beach, which is about a 20-minute walk from Red Frog. We've got waves at Red Frog as well at times. And then there's a lot of really nice beach breaks about 15 minutes by boat uh, from Red Frog. When it gets a little bigger, all the reef breaks start happening. The surf's too big for the beaches and then we can access places like Ponch and Dumpers and Bluff and other areas that are actually on the mainland, on the main part of Bocas del Toro.
1: What is, what's our outlook look like for the, the rest of our trip? How's the swell window and what spots are we looking at? Swell window is good. We've got a
6: pretty big swell coming in on the evening of the 9th, kind of peaking on the 11th and it looks like... The 10th we're gonna have a lot of weather, a lot of rain, which is pretty typical for larger swells that hit this area. And then as the storm passes, winds get a little bit better, sun will come out. Uh, and it looks like a solid you know, four to five day swell.
4: Mm-hmm i the morning,
3: I know.
4: Bien. 20s. How's it going in the house? How's it going? How's it Yes. It's good you.
3: This is David. Yeah, we met yesterday. I want to do i I'm
4: going back
1: to the airport. Alright, so we finally arrived in Bocas. Um, Scott rode his bicycle over to the airport where he met us and arranged two taxis to take us the one mile trek from the airport to the boat dock it's a pretty small island or at least the uh paved parts of it are pretty small so we're loading up the boat right now at the dock we've got four surfers obviously two photographers one coach among us there's 14 bags five board bags containing a total of 20 surfboards so it's quite a bit of work getting from one spot to the next and everything is uh you know, not walking distance. So it's loading up bags in the, in the car, on the plane, on the boat, back and forth. So everybody at this point is really frothing to surf. It's like 9.20 in the morning. So we're psyched to be here, psyched to get our first session underway.
4: Surf report, boys. Whew. little movido out there, a little uh, chumpy, yep. but we got the crew.
5: Yep. A little bit of morning sickness going on, a little bit wishy-washy, but I'm sure there's some gems to be had. Ooh. It's going to
4: be real exciting. Stay tuned. Awesome
1: All right, so we're here at a surf spot called Bluff. Um, Bluff is just this super impressive thumping beach break that just breaks 10 yards offshore. uh hmm There's waves.
6: It's offshore. Always down in this part of the beach. It's a little bit smaller, but uh, sometimes it's a little cleaner. Today it looks like we got all this rip kind of running right through here, and that bar looks a little better. But uh, yeah, we're gonna have to deal with
1: that. So the dilemma that we're dealing with right here is just that there's like a bodyboard competition taking place. There's probably twelve local bodyboarders um and they're basically they weren't too psyched on us showing up with a camera crew and a bunch of groms frothing to surf so one of the dudes came over and basically just asked us not to paddle out and uh scott you know he owns a resort here and has lived here for 14 years so he's trying to be the diplomat and uh politely just explain to them, look, I'm sure you guys have spent a lot of time planning your little competition, but we've spent a lot of time organizing this this surf trip. So we're paddling out. And um, I guess they've got a final that they want to run and it's 30 minutes. So we respectfully gave them that 30 minutes and we're just going to paddle out at the peak down the beach and then slowly kind of drift over in, into the good peak that they're all on.
6: We just need clean conditions. A lot of time you get this rip that runs right through here and you know the key is just to always be looking for the clean water and it looks kind of ripped out right here, a little cleaner there. Yeah. Cool sure. yeah. Um, bumping. Yeah. Uh, kind of a tough call. It's a big beach break so you just got to find the right sandbar and I don't know if this is it. Might be one so of just paddle out the way. That's what I think. Oh my god, look at that one down there though. Might be spot down there. So you go fly down the line and one <laughs>
0: YMA shore break, but smaller. It's probably like the hardest wave, just cause the drop is just so shallow and heavy. But if you can get one, you definitely scored. Definitely different coming from really small waves and then going straight into that one. It was a little different just trying to paddle into it and get a good drop and a good little wave. But if you caught like the medium sized ones versus the large ones, you could get a really nice barrel.
2: Yeah, it looks easy. Like from outside, I was like just getting inside. I'm... Let's go get barrels. And it looks so easy, but once I got I just feel like I was underwater and this thing was just so huge like when I dug that I could feel like my legs going out it's so heavy. So I was like eating sand like for first four waves. And then I was just like, okay, I need to make one. I was just getting concentrated and just then at the same time getting frustrated. My to go swim to the shore, get my board. I was like, damn, I need to make one wave. And it's so hard, you need to just to paddle, you so hard and then just made the drop and then just, you're in this like box. From outside, it doesn't look that heavy, but once you are in, it just feels like freaking, I don't know where, but, but then I just got kind of the rhythm. So I cannot do better. I just got one or two barrels that made me happy. But it's crazy how you can get 20 waves and just two of them are good ones, and those are clips. And they're so tired, you just like wipe out and wipe out. I think I still have sand inside my ears.
0: Uh, probably Derek and Ariello. They were just on every set and just kind of like, they had the wave down right when they got out there. And me and uh, George or Jorge, same person. Uh, we just kind of like started off Kind of weird and kind of worked our way up, but they just started off with a bang.
7: Yeah, we basically uh, pulled up here at Bluff. Pretty good wave. Um, it's it's in, it's in a way kind of like a wave at home. Um, it's a very similar wave, but with nobody out, and uh, it's it's a very hollow, quick shore break slab that's um, very hard to make drops at times. So it's a, it's a challenging wave, but there's definitely opportunity for insane ride dogger. Um it was a little tricky, you know. I haven't we haven't really got the surf waves like that more, or I haven't got surf waves similar to this in quite a while so you know, just adjusting and it was very good for a little, for probably a 30 minute to an hour window and uh, got a couple waves but definitely didn't perform the way I wanted to. And that's just first session here and Getting used to, you know, a spot that you haven't surfed before—it always takes some time to do that.
0: Because it's for the for the professional surfer, so when they surf is always spectacular. Nice. Are you making a movie or are you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Very nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's professional cameras. Yeah. 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 And chitras are bothering you. I see.
1: Yeah. Can you believe the that? The
0: flies. Yeah. Crazy.
1: Swollen. Uh,
0: it's the same as I had when I when I came here the first time. Uh, take some Benadryl.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's swollen, and it's the same as I had. Oh, wow. yeah, when, and they open, and, and... They blister. Oh, and you hardly sleep because it's itching it's in your legs everywhere, and when you start to scratch,
1: it's yeah. getting worse. Yeah, normally, like, you could see the veins in my feet. This one's just yeah. so Yeah, it's, it's
0: swollen. You can see you can it's tell. swollen, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, so your body has an allergy.
1: Yeah, it's Have all you right tried
0: on. the coconut oil? No. It's supposed to help soothe it. Yeah, we have some. If you want some, yeah, I've got yeah. other
3: stuff on it already. You so okay. Cool. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. some Thanks Benadryl. Though. That's Thanks really, really helping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I knew. Uh, I've been here now for ten years. So the kids uh, are uh, fun, huh? <laughs> yeah. Kind
6: of
4: high on huh? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty eye opening. Right? Everybody, right? everybody had a couple good ones and a lot oh, of weight loss. they were charging. They put in really good effort, all those kids. Derek and
5: Aurelio got some really good ones, some of the heavy ones. Derek got a couple soup shots. Aurelio got a couple good ones too. One semi buckled board, so it was a good day. <laughs> Lucky, <don't you?
6: laughs> well, one. Yeah, <laughs>
4: and it happened, like,
6: the
5: taxi just showed up, and Derek was like, oh, let me go back out for five minutes after we eat lunch. And I said, "He's either gonna get the best wave of the day, or he's gonna break his board. Because well, he's going out for five minutes. You can't be selective in five minutes. And you have to be selective
7: out there. Sure
1: <laughs> when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs
0: Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
1: All right, so now we're on Bastamento Island, which is about a 10 minute boat ride from the main island of Bocas Town, and um, walking basically to red frog bungalows so from the dock it's a 10 minute walk to the actual resort where we're staying and uh it's a walking path not paved it's just basically uh dirt or mud it's it's a rainforest so it's moist and wet and regularly rains so it's mostly mud but there's an occasional tree tree uh root or stepping stone that you try to aim for try not to trip on we passed a crocodile pit, which not really a moat or designed for any sort of protection. It's just a natural pond right off the walking path with a mama croc and all her, her baby crocs in there. So you want to make sure you're careful of that, especially if you're walking this path at night. And uh, just wrapped our first session at Bluff. So everybody's pretty psyched. The wave is really... Fun, you know, thumping but fun. Everybody got a couple beatings and a couple good ones. Derek Peters got spit out of some pretty, like stand up, pretty hollow barrels. So the goal is just get back to Red Frog Bungalows, get settled in and showered up after all the travel. And and then we will review the video footage and the photos. And Coach Eric Kramer will you know give give some feedback and we'll we'll give feedback to the groms in preparation for tomorrow and the rest of the week
4: I think it's amazing opportunity for these surfers to learn about themselves on a trip like this what we try to teach them is to be individuals it's really a great opportunity for them to step their game up if they really want to make a living at this i think by the same token we're letting them know that it's okay not to be a pro surfer. That it's good to actually finish school, have a second plan, not to put all your eggs in one basket, and to become a well-rounded individual. Being a pro surfer is not the end all. Yeah. It's not the greatest job in the world, actually. I envy people who can surf whenever they want, you know, and then do their job, their normal job. And uh, for a pro surfer, you know, they, they have to surf a lot when they're not interested in paddling out. They have to pull into clothes out sometimes. They have to go right, but they really want to go left. And putting effort into getting a good photo and into getting published is something that most surfers don't even think about. Yeah. They think that they're gonna surf good, a photographer's gonna follow them around and just get the shot, but it doesn't work like that. Um, being a professional surfer is about first and foremost connecting with the photographer once they get a good photo being on top of that image skateboarders choose every single ad shot that's run in the skate industry you can't just grab a photo of some guy and and print it he might be doing a trick on the same handrail that somebody already did a harder trick on and so i think surfers could really learn a lot from that a proactive surfer can contact the photographer get their hands on the image, send it to the company and say, this is the image I want for my next ad. Mm -hmm. Most surfers don't do that and their ad comes out and it's a photo that doesn't really represent their surfing and they're not happy with it. But in reality, they could have been proactive because a company loves a surfer that's going to take that approach and help the art director, help the team manager, help everybody in the company promote the brand. It's real simple. It's all about promoting the brand. And so, for some reason, that's really hard to teach, and goes over most um, entry-level pros' heads. Yeah. And the ones that never get it, generally never make a career out of it. And the ones that buckle down and figure it out, end up becoming really successful.
6: Yeah. You hear me all right?
5: Yeah. You guys been having a good time? Uh-huh. Been enjoying it. Enough. Yeah. Um. Well, you know. Had three days. Today is what the fourth day now. So back, you know, we're getting some, getting some photos, getting some video, so getting some work done. Not like coming super easy, but definitely working hard at it and getting some progress. Um, I think you know, when we paddle out every time, and it's like that moment, a good lighting. It's like really got to take advantage of it because you saw yesterday. I mean. We surfed for three hours or, or more, but there was really that half an hour to 45 minute window when it really came together. I know everybody's like tired and tired and hungry and whatnot, but I think those are the times when you just gotta find it in yourself and get back out there. And, and you know, like Tony was saying, don't worry about him, he'll get the shot, but <clears throat> you know, you need to go where the best waves are and get on the best waves. and I talked a little bit about it yesterday and it's just like, you know, surfing a contest and free surfing for the cameras are nothing alike, but at the same time, it's totally alike because you're looking for the quality maneuvers. The lens isn't going to want to see you do two or three, you know, linked up maneuvers down the line if they're all like fair to average maneuvers. They want to see that one big wow turn. So I think, you know, in general, like when I'm coaching people, you know, strategy contests and that and stuff, I usually say, if the waves are good and you've got solid waves, just focus on two turns. If the waves are bad, really just focus on one strong turn. Because as hard as the criteria is pushing quality surfing, it's, you know, you can do three or four average turns and get a four or five, and you can do one good maneuver and pretty easily get a five or a six. Um And then it's just all about the critical section. Like Tony said, and I think Dave said, I don't know if he said it as well, but you guys are taking off on those small ones or the foamy ones, or the ones with non-critical section. It's already a waste of time for these guys to be, you know, taking the photos because it's already going to be a throwaway shot. Um, As far as, like, technique and stuff, it's, you know, I think um, it's just so much about the bottom turn you know if you're not bottom turns more like the transition turn but if you're not doing a good bottom turn there's no way there's a good turn that's connecting to that it's going to be flat and forward down the line mid-face probably the more you open your bottom turn the more you're going to be able to come vertically up into the lift you've just got that projection off the bottom and then you're wanting to put it up into the lift use that whole way from the bottom all the way to the top that's like the number one thing, bottom turn. Number two thing is top turn all the way into the lip. And then the most important thing to turn your surfing into good or excellent surfing is the follow through. Bottom turn, top turn, follow through. Because there's a lot of people that just come off the bottom, do a beautiful bottom turn, put it up in the lip, and then they just leave it there. And they let the board bring it down and they let the wave bring it down. But you watch the surfers on the CT, and every turn is bottom turn, top turn, and then it's just full follow-through. The board just completely changes direction. And even on the CT, I mean, they're all the best surfers in the world, but you see some of the guys do it so much more than the other ones. And every turn is bottom turn, top turn, follow-through, pushing it through, driving it down on their own. On the carves, or even on the lip turns, they're pushing it through so hard that they're like, driving it through all the way into that next bottom turn, which
7: connects Yeah, you, you, um, to better your surfing, you need to put yourself in better waves, and better waves truly brings out people's flaws, their strengths and their flaws, and, you know, you're only as good as, you know, your, your weakest link, I guess, and, um, Coming on a trip here with the, with a the variety of waves, you really get to see everybody's total package. You know, it's not how good they surf in two foot Huntington. It's um, you know reef breaks and and quick beach breaks, barrels, airs. You know the whole the whole variety.
3: The coaches and cameras require us to like get certain waves, you know, the best quality waves. We have to go right or left. And it, it all, it, it's all beneficial for, for the shots mm-hmm. instead of just getting every single little wave and doing whatever. Here we have to get more like quality waves and, and you know, focus more on not following the tricks and, and getting shots. And also, but from the shots, we get to, to, I don't know, to see ourselves surf and then like review. Uh, bad stuff we're doing to improve, and that's where coach Eric comes in and and seeing yourself because like if when you see yourself, it's like completely different and you and you see how what you're doing wrong where you're not doing wrong, so it's way easier to improve your surfing well seeing yourself surf
0: and uh the waves are more challenging because like I'm thinking a small wave is a good wave, and they're like no it's not. <laughs> So every wave was just like looking so good to me and really I only needed to catch a set. And so, uh, working with him was so much easier here, just being able to surf real waves and different types of waves. It wasn't just a beach break, it was a reef break or a different sort of peak. Like we switched peaks a couple times and uh, from short paddle outs to really long paddle outs. Like, and even at the end of the day, when we were worked, we were just like, I'm gonna run a heat, see how these guys react when they're tired.
2: I'm trying to get better in my carves and just like flow surfing, just top to bottom without like cutting it. So my goal was here just to see the footage and see my mistakes, and you guys helped me. You have helped me a lot. Good tips that I'm, I'm trying to make them in the water. So.
7: It's also a neat part of his coaching is the technique, and it's not only the cons- uh, the contest side of it you know it's it's bettering your your surfing and nothing you know getting to that next level and um, you know there's there's not a whole lot of coaches that truly know how to do that I feel like he has a pretty good understanding on how to take pretty much at anyone at any level and, and step by step get them to the next level
4: For every session, we give the surfers our opinion on what's going to make the best photos. Sometimes it's a situation where we're shooting the right and you can't even see the left. Right. And you communicate this to the surfers and tell them if they want the shot, go right. It's real simple. But it's kind of that personality that makes a surfer. Yeah. We didn't gravitate towards team sports because we're individuals. Mm-hmm. So that personality type doesn't often lend itself to following instructions from what could be perceived as an authority figure.
3: Yeah.
4: Even though we're just there to promote them. Yeah. (laughs) Different angle. Uh, Just palm tree line point backgrounds with open face to transition to lip to booyah.
1: That was a good little man-on-man heat at Mini Karamas right there. Yeah, it was.
6: Aurelio and Derek are feeling it, dude. Jousting. Yeah. Did you cut any of my lifts?
1: Oh, yeah.
5: I see you going left every time, but I like your backhand even better. Um, I see on your backhand you draw off the bottom more. You put it way more up higher into the lip. And your body language and posture is just way smoothed out. You're heavier on your back foot, whereas in your front hand, you're heavier on your front foot. And on your forehand, you're always oh, kind of like this, and your backhand, you just, your body just looks a lot more calmer. Anybody have any questions on anything we talked about? Or want to add anything else?
6: Can I add something real quick? Please. It's time to step it up, because you feel that rain coming down, it's going to be good the next few days on the reefs. I'm just step it up and bring the A game. Step
1: it up, bring the A game. All right, so bright and not even bright, actually dark and early. It's like five fifteen a.m. in the morning and um, we're headed out early day. We've got actually a really full day hiking the path to the boat dock um, where Scott's going to be taking us to a secret spot. He's being really, really vague about it. We don't know if we're going to an island or um, if it's mainland Panama or what, but Scott, it's a secret spot that um, Scott took McFanning and tom kern and taylor Steele too when they were down here filming missing and um and they scored it and he's saying that the conditions today are supposed to be really similar to that day so that's where we are headed he said it's going to be a real cultural experience um but it's a two-hour boat ride and we're going to hit some rain and and uh wind along that ride so hopefully we'll survive that and get some good waves um the boys, the surfers, are all actually doing really well. Like compared to the first day on the trip, we've given them a lot of feedback, and I think that their surfing has really improved just in the last few days. So I think that's really cool to see, and especially now that we're kind of headed to the best spot and uh, the waves are supposed to be good, hopefully they'll be able to, you know, showcase kind of some of their improvements and feel accomplished uh, because of that.
4: I definitely wouldn't say the name of the place, but it's Indian Village, about hour two up the coast, down the coast. Figure that one out for yourself.
7: I have no idea which direction it is, but it's about a two-hour long boat
1: ride.
0: Well we went to this secret spot and no one was there. There's a little Indian village. Not really Indians, what I thought it was, but they're Indians.
1: What's it called?
6: A lot of people call it a lot of different things. I like to call it Ensenada, okay? <laughs>
4: And uh, It's just full nat geo go surfing. You know, you walk through this Indian village. Um, you can tell the style of life hasn't changed for centuries. You know, they're still in thatched huts.
0: And uh, we had to walk through this little trail, and had these nice little kids carry our boards. And
4: you know, when you pull
7: up there, there's the local kids that you know will, will carry your carry your surfboard, your camera gear, your wetsuit whatever they can just to make a buck or two carry it a nice thirty minute walk which is you know it's great health. I enjoy you know enjoyed having them and they're cool kids and it's just crazy to it just puts stuff in perspective Man.
4: growing their corn, you know, they've got their chickens and cows and it's a very rare and special opportunity to have them share the amazing tropical rainforest beach with you.
0: We showed up, and there's this big field, cows and animals, and we're like, whoa, we're we on a farm, and just look right over the little dune, there's like this perfect little beach break, like this killer backdrop, and it's just a secluded beach, and no one's on it. We saw like two people and locals walking down the beach with like machetes, looking like Lord of the Rings.
3: What were the waves like out there? The waves were amazing. The beach break is just like perfect, clear water. You can see like the bottom and the waves are just like perfect. Perfect lefts, and rights, barrels. And a beach break, some, something like really weird to see where when a beach break is that perfect. That's kind of rare for a Caribbean
4: beach break. They tend to just be pop-up peaks all over the place, but it was very defined and perfect waves, rights and lefts, peeling into the exact same channel. And, um, just amazing scenery everywhere you looked. Photographically, just endless opportunities for different angles and yeah. little islands and outcroppings everywhere you look. And uh, totally different as far as
7: culture and the way of life. People there you know, are living as they have been since the beginning of time, I think. I mean, there's not a whole lot of outside Western influence, like you could say. You know, it's, it seems like it's been that way for centuries. And,
4: uh... and uh, bringing you food down to the water's edge, and uh, cheering on every good ride. It's a rare and special connection to, as wave riders, share their beach with them. It brings the surf trip experience to a whole nother level.
5: And to be able to take a group of surfers from completely outside that culture to to just see something totally different that you'll never see in your hometown and you probably won't see on any other trip to Panama. I I hope everybody really took that in because that's not an opportunity that you get every day.
6: Yeah, the folks out here are pretty isolated. There's not a road that actually attaches in to much of anything at all. Everybody does all their transportation over the water. It's part of uh, what they call the Comarca. And in Panama, that basically at this point in time, uh, is land that remains for all the Indians, for a lot of the indigenous people. And that's how this entire region is. So that's why you don't see any development. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what they do is they charge $5 per person. And, you know, a lot of that money in the old days was spent to pave the road. Oh, okay. Uh, so that whole cement road that we walked in on uh, before was just a big muddy path. Uh, so now that that's been finished off, I think most of the money actually probably goes into the community. Uh, both on the side of the beach here uh, as well
1: as over on the bay side okay oh Highline. Highline. Highline straight to the bottom Aurelio. he's having his hour of power he, right he now he crushing it the best thing is
6: this morning he asked me like five times dude seriously do you think sandbars gonna get good i i'm like just wait the tide's gonna drop out i know it's got that morning illness but
1: can you tell me about um Mick Fanning missing trip with Taylor Steele. How did that come about? I got an email, and the email
6: said, small group, good surfers, you'll be stoked. Who was it from? It was from Kelly, which is fairly vague, and we didn't really know to the very end who was actually coming down, but yeah, it ended up being Mick and Tom and Tom's son Pat coming down for the movie with Taylor and filming for the movie Missing.
1: Is it like a last minute strike mission or?
6: Yeah, exactly. Very last minute strike mission. Um, Flew in and a day or two's notice. Got pretty lucky because it was in August, which typically isn't the greatest time of year for surf, but we had some really good swells early in August and good swell direction, good wind. And they were in for three days and out. It worked out really well.
1: Any stories or thoughts or memories about that trip?
6: Yeah, one memory was Tom Kern decided to body surf Silverbacks. and It was solid, you know, six to eight foot. It's a sharp reef. He takes his board off, paddles into a a big one, and just gets pulverized. Came up smiling. Is it in the movie?
1: Yes, it
6: is in the movie. Sweet.
1: So, yeah, you said Kelly emailed you. Has Kelly stayed with you here before, or how did he know to direct them your way? No, we've had some mutual friends that have come down and gotten
6: good waves before, and uh, just through word of mouth. Okay. I think focus has been on, on his radar, so maybe someday he'll get down here. Yeah.
1: There's no formula to make a career out of the sport, but there's certainly proven methods. And so the objective of the trip was to kind of teach them some of those methods, give them some of the tools that it takes to succeed in the industry, and and specifically one of the ways of succeeding in the industry is going on surf trips and, and knowing how to travel and interact with cultures, the work ethic that's involved with traveling to waves when you're tired, getting up early in the morning having your body adjust to different diets when you're on the road. And so this is kind of, uh, you know, this is a, a training camp and it's practice for what it's like to be a professional surfer. For me to kind of be a part of that and help influence and craft the surfers path and experience and career is kind of a little bit more substantial trip than just the strictly self-serving video trip.
3: My goal here in Bogos was to to, to get clips and also to improve my surfing with techniques and, and tactics. Uh, and yeah, pretty much that's what's happening right now. I'm improving better, a lot of tips and applying them on my surfing and it's a big difference.
2: I think it's a super nice group of- people just pushing ourselves each other to get big waves good barrels and yeah that really helped me here
0: All right, what I wanted to get out of the strip I knew we we're gonna have some good surfers coming in so I wanted to just push my surfing and I hadn't surfed in like board shorts since like September, and it's January right now. And I was just really ready to get some waves and try and surf because I got a bunch of new boards and definitely had some goals just to get more secure in my maneuvers. So I like and when I'm in a contest and I'm in that situation, I could really count on something. And doing the heat stuff on like these challenging bigger waves definitely helped because it's like I surf small waves all the time and it's super easy to do a heat there. You just kind of get out and focus on it, but. When you're getting pounded by four and five sets and you're still trying to get a score, it's like, you gotta put in the afterburners to get out and get that last wave before the clock runs out.
4: My goal on this trip, more than anything, by far, was listening to the coaching that Eric is giving to the riders and applying it to my own surfing. Really? By far. I mean, my passion lies in surfing, not shooting photos of surfing. I'm very blessed with my job. Um, however, my passion is riding waves. My motivation and what got me really excited about this trip was the opportunity to, to see incredibly high level of surfing and hear the coaching from Eric to fine tune these levels. Also really excited to shoot and surf with Derek Peters. I had the opportunity to shoot with him in Costa Rica. Nicaragua, El Salvador, and now Panama. And he's one of those just amazing talents that not only have an incredibly high level of surfing, but very intelligent, and also a team player on land and in the water. And that just makes the shoot so incredibly productive. If you see him sitting somewhere, you can line up a foreground and say, okay, I'm standing here and he goes right. All he has to do is put something between, for example, these two trees, and there's gonna be this amazing frame and he always delivers.
7: Mm-hmm. Prior to coming, I knew that um, David here and uh, Tony Roberts were gonna be filming and shooting photos, so, and I knew that, like I said earlier, the, the opportunity and of how good the waves can get. So it's just it was just um, really a good package deal, and um, like I said, and the waves are insane, so it's it's pretty much a no-brainer. I mean.
5: now that the trip's pretty much come to a close, you know, it's really, this is the first kind of trip that I've really put together like this. I've been involved in other trips like this, but hired by by a, a different company. So I've been in the past been hired as a coach, but this was the first time I really put the whole package together myself. And it was actually a really big challenge, trying to organize everybody, organize budgets, trying to get the surfers in, trying to make everything work. And it was a really it was a huge challenge for me trying to get everybody involved with different schedules going on, different budgets going on, um, a really good time to be in Hawaii. Um, so that was a challenge getting, you know, the right surfers, the right amount of surfers involved. So, you know, everything was basically a learning experience for me. But then in the end, now that it's over, even though it was difficult, even though it was a challenge, I've learned so much that I think this is. really great program something I want to continue producing because it's gonna bring surfers to the next level and that's what I really want to see make them better surfers you know whether it's through analysis or reviews or education or or coaching whatever it is Um, so my plans are to hopefully do some other programs like this not too far in the future and bring other surfers into it as well
1: We will post video and photos from this trip on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Perhaps you've already seen Derek's video. I know it was up on STAB and I think Surfline as well. But we'll post that on our website. Also, stay tuned after these closing credits. I've got a little bonus audio for you, which is just a long form analysis of each of the surfers and their performance. Coach Eric Kramer asked me to provide that uh, for him, but I'm gonna include it at the end of this episode as well. So stay tuned for that. A big thanks to Eric Kramer and International Surf Services for inviting me to be a part of this trip. I hope that there are more to come in the future. And if you'd like to learn more about Eric, you can find his information also on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Secondly, thanks to Scott Bailo and Red Frog Bungalows in Bocas del Toro, Panama. You can also find their information on our website, and they have a Facebook page, which they update with surf photos and uh, lots of other stuff. So make sure to track them down. And if you are ever in Bocas, that is the place to stay, especially if you're a surfer. Um, as you heard, Mick Fanning and that crew stayed with him. Julian Wilson in the last year. Dion Aegeus. So pretty much everybody who travels down there stays with Scott. So make sure you check that out. If you're curious about the music from this episode, including this little jazzy number by Youssef Lateef, Uh, You can find the complete archive of music from this episode and all past episodes on our website. There's a page dedicated to that. It's sorted by episode. Uh, You can find us on social media at Surf Splendor. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Lastly, if you're listening to this show in iTunes or Stitcher, please, as always, make sure to rate the show and even leave a review. That just helps other people to find the show thanks as always for listening thank you for sharing this program with a friend that is the only advertising that we have and it is a great way to help ensure future episodes of this show the more people that are listening the more shows we will be able to produce so thanks as always stay tuned for the bonus audio coming up and as always aloha
5: You, <laughs> <laughs> you make me feel awkward if you laughing. You're on the other side. That's pretty weird, huh? Whatever. I'm cool with it. What did you think of the surfers?
1: Um, I've of the four surfers on the trip, I've worked with two of them previously. Derek Peters is a Huntington Beach surfer, which is where I'm from, and so we've actually worked together by filming. You know, me filming him surfing, essentially. We've worked together for a number of years, and so I've seen him come up and progress in his surfing. And Derek's had um, an interesting last couple of years. He was really one of the top performing surfers in his age group for a lot of years. And he lost his main sponsor, like a lot of people have in the last year. And so he's at that 20-year-old mark where he's at a pivotal, pivotal time where it's either get a real job and forget about your your surfing dream or buckle down and figure out a way to make this work and so this trip for Derek was uh, part of that effort of buckling down and as the filmer who's worked with him for a lot of years it's good to see him find that new gear I think that when you're in Huntington Beach things come easily sponsors come easily and it's a pretty affluent area and um, You know young kids they get a lot early on when in orange county and so derek might have had some of that going on where he was a talented surfer but because of it the industry compensated him so to have that taken away forced him to dig deep and find this new gear and i think that we experienced that on this trip he was able to surf some waves that maybe were a little bit bigger and more i don't know powerful than the waves that he surfs at home but he really stepped up and uh and excelled in those waves. Furthermore, he really just showed his work ethic on the trip. And I think that that says a lot about him, but it also sets the tone for the other kids. And some of those other kids are younger, so they look up to him and for them to kind of learn, hey, this isn't just about paddling out and getting barreled. It's about working through lunch. You know, like the waves turned on on our first or second day when we sat down to eat lunch, after we had just surfed four hours, Derek ordered his food and then paddled out and surfed for an hour and let his food get cold on the table because he knew that was the one window that the waves were going to be good that day. So that says a lot about Derek and um, Aurelio. I've, uh, done, I've spent probably two weeks with Aurelio total, um, once in California and then once in Nicaragua on another surf trip. He's a young kid from Ecuador who's got a lot of potential but also a lot working against him in that there's not industry infrastructure in Central America at large but certainly not in Ecuador so he's his kind of stone or his um, kind of uh... speed bump that he'll have to face with his career is just getting exposure in Ecuador and it's expensive to travel outside of Ecuador to get some of that exposure. So he'll probably have to do that and figure out a, a way to do that. And he has the talent and his father's helpful and he has the, the helping hands that he needs to get there. It's just, he's going to have to maneuver the pieces in order to get to where he needs to be in his career. It won't come as easily as if he was from orange County or, or anywhere in the U S for that matter. So, but Aurelio surfs incredibly well. Um, He has highs and lows, but his highs are pretty high. He's really powerful and really stylish and exciting to watch. And so for that reason, I'm rooting for Aurelio, you know? Um, On a wave to wave moment as well. Like when you see him take off on a wave, it's like, please just belt this thing because I know you can do it. And when he does it, it's that much more gratifying, you know? So um, I think there's a lot to come with Aurelio. Jordan Montgomery's from the East Coast, Virginia Beach. I've never worked with him before, and he's a young kid um, who's got a bright future. And he's really stylish, and he has really good structure and bones and fundamentals in his surfing. This trip was an opportunity for him to surf waves that he hasn't, bigger waves basically, um, waves of consequence that I don't think he gets in Virginia Beach too often. So we probably saw the largest improvement with Jordan out of anybody. Day one, we surfed a thumping beach break that was kind of like a shore break essentially. And he was a little bit out of sorts and was kind of trying to take off on what he thought was the safer, safer shoulder of the wave, which ultimately is the section that pitches. So he ended up kind of taking a lot of wipeouts and beatings until he found himself comfortable until he found enough comfort to really take off behind the peak and beneath the lip which is where he needed to be so we surfed that same spot at the end of the trip and at the end of the trip he got one of the best waves of the trip and um, so it was a matter of him just kind of sorting out his comfort level he had the talent and the ability to make those waves but he didn't have the confidence in the beginning of the trip so through the coaching and the training and the video review I think is really helpful he um, was able to make those adjustments and by the end of the trip capitalize when the waves got really good. So that was really cool. George was a surfer I've never worked with before. He's from Panama City and Bocas del Toro is um, a plane ride away. It's an hour plane ride away and um, provides a lot more variety in waves than is offered in Panama City. So he surfs kind of smaller beach breaks in Panama City, kind of similarly to Jordan. Those are kind of the waves that Jordan has at home as well. Just soft, easy to surf. You know, you, your goal is to kind of do air reverses on waves like that. So to put him in waves of consequence presented a challenge for him. And he had that same learning curve that Jordan had, but he excelled by the end of the trip as well. And it was cool to see his surfing adapt he, I think, benefited most from coaching, where he had a couple little just technical issues with his surfing that allowed him probably to surf well at home in Panama City at small beach breaks. But when you try to do that on a point break or at, at a thumping kind of barrel, it, your flaws in your surfing show. So Coach Eric was able to kind of give him a few technical adjustments. He applied those adjustments to his surfing, and by the end of the trip, we saw his surfing really smooth out a lot, and he was able to get a lot of more dri- a lot more drive and- out of his surfing, and it looked a lot more polished by the end of the trip. So.